0: podcast of Somos US News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Bitoff, and coming up on this week's show, could Jill Ellis get a shot? The West is, quote, punching their tickets and we're buying a condo in El Paso. This is episode number 19 of our show and we want to thank everyone for their continued support of uh, of what we do here on the channel. We wouldn't be here without you guys and our show is growing each and every week and part of that growth is coming over here to Twitch and doing the show live where you guys can come and interact with us, leave your questions, your comments in chat and be a part of the show because you know, again, we are Suncast. We're part of Somos and Needless News, and we're all United and USL fans here. So before we get into this week's discussion, I do want to remind everyone that we do have written content over on our website. Uh, each and every week, Jacob and I cover New Mexico United. We have pre- and post-match coverage, uh, as well as a blog about our lives as dads, and the occasional video game coverage as well. With all that out of the way, I'm going to bring in my two co-hosts this week, Jacob Terrell and Earl Nieto. Guys, I have one burning question for you. Is egg appropriate to have on a hamburger?
1: Yes. Oh. Oh, yes. (laughs) Sorry, Earl. I had to jump in there.
2: It depends how fried it is.
1: Uh, Over easy all day. Love it.
2: Crispy edges.
0: Crispy edges. Okay. For those of you that weren't here, our conversation may have actually started before we even went live. We were discussing... The question is, is a hot dog a sandwich and is cereal a soup? So I had my question ready to go like prior to all this, and these guys didn't know it. And Jacob brought up this, uh, or I think it was Earl brought it up, is a hot dog a sandwich. And so, um, yeah, these guys had no idea. So it tied in perfectly what we were talking about before.
1: So this, this is what you guys do, okay? Especially because I'm not in Albuquerque or near Albuquerque anymore. You go to the frontier. You get a bacon green chili cheeseburger. You have them put an over-easy egg on it. And you get a side of fries and a side of sour cream, and you will thank me because it is delicious.
2: Please text me that recipe.
1: I, I don't make it. I go to Frontier. Have well, that's what
2: I'm saying. Text me that so I can remember. Okay. Because I will be uh, there I'll, text you.
1: I'll text you all caps. Earl, go to Frontier. Order this. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> I'm actually not a big fan of Frontier. I've only been there once, but I wasn't a big fan
1: of it.
2: How do we block this guy?
1: <laughs> <We're all true. laughs> He runs everything, so we can't block him, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I like their Carne asada burritos, especially because they're cheap and they're pretty small and you can eat several of them. And then I like that burger um, and then the cinnamon rolls. And then everything else that I've had there has been good, but not like spectacular. But I tell you that the burger is my go to. And every once in a while, I'll just crave it and have to go over there to get it. For whatever reason, a burger with an egg on it is best there than anywhere else. I've had it. In a few other places, I make it here at home, and for whatever reason, that one is just the tops.
0: So, when you say the burritos are small, how small are you talking? Now, the reason I ask is because if you go to different burrito places around town here, like you've got Twisters, you've got Blake's, you've got Golden Pride, Stripes, Stripes. I haven't been there yet. You got I know they're building. Back, I know they're building one um, over here in Wyoming. I think.
2: Yeah, you have to get the chicharroni burrito.
1: chicharroni burrito. Okay, have that. Crispy, but, uh... Extra crispy.
2: Extra crispy.
1: I prefer mine with beans instead of their potatoes,
0: but that's just me. Okay. yeah, I'm more of a potato guy <laughs> in my burrito so far, but. Uh, I usually am, but their potatoes are a little too salty for me. Okay. Yeah, because like you go to Golden, like I've been to Golden Pride several times, and the burritos at Golden Pride are like they're like McDonald's burrito breakfast burrito size. Yeah,
1: the burritos, and they're absolutely terrible. Like I can't understand why I whoa, do not understand whoa. why people go to Golden Pride. What these hot hot Seth, put the hot takes over your name today. Coming out here attacking Frontier and Golden Pride and You
2: should probably just mute yourself for the rest of the day.
1: What is going
0: on? I'm sorry. Like I I'm not a native New Mexican, obviously. I'm not attacking Frontier Believe. i I just I wasn't a fan of it. And like Golden like I said, Golden Pride has these like tiny burritos. So like when I moved out here to New Mexico, I lived down down in Bosque Farms. And I went to Benny's. Oh. oh, okay, okay, yeah.
1: Binnies.
0: okay. Binnies. <laughs> now, see, you can't go to Benny's and then go somewhere else and say that, you can't say Golden Prize are better than Benny's. Like Benny's, like Benny's has two locations that I know of.
1: and like, they, some,
0: they really you know, only have one. Yeah, the Benny's 2 is not.
1: It's not the same. It's, no, not, it's, not. it's not the same.
0: Yeah, so I would drive up to the one right there in Bosky Farms, the original Benny's, and i pick up breakfast or whatever and go take it into work. And so the Benny's burritos, oh, my God, those were so good. And like Even their burgers, too, like the burgers and their fries, like I think they were like homemade fries. Benny's. Benny's is so oh, good. Man. And so, like, once I moved up into town, up in the Albuquerque, it was, uh, you, know, you don't you don't have easy access to Benny's, so you have, you know, like I said, you have Blake's everywhere. You got Golden Pride. You got Twister's. Twister's is all right. I prefer Blake's to the others just because the size of the burrito. And then generally their chili is
1: better, if you ask me. I, okay, so I'm going to pause this conversation real quick. Okay. Because I've got thoughts. I've got thoughts. And unfortunately, if we go down a burrito rabbit hole, we're never going to get to soccer. So I'm going to hold my thoughts, and then we will do a special edition of the Suncast slash Dead Ventures podcast, strictly of burrito and and Albuquerque and Las Lunas and Bosque Farms you know restaurant. What I do
2: know for, you know what I do know for a fact? New Mexico burritos What's are better than El Paso's.
0: <laughs> That's for sure. I don't think anyone can argue with that there at all, Earl.
1: And the, the only take that I will give is uh, Blake's breakfast burritos, terrible. Them's fighting words. And I will not elaborate on it until we have this special episode.
0: <laughs> Dad, ventures Suncast, uh, Albuquer- uh, New Mexico eatery episode how about that? Yeah, we got this thing. a
2: live take where we're all eating at different restaurants. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I,
0: well, if we got a fast way to Wi-Fi to do that though. Yeah.
2: It's okay. I got a uh, I got I got mobile hotspot.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what? We could do that. Take one mic just sit at a table and eat food. Yeah, we could
1: all do that once everything opens back up. Absolutely. Let's do that.
2: We'll start in Clovis. we'll pick up Jacob, and then we'll make our way this way.
1: Well, I, I'll just meet you. And let's. You know what we need to do? We need to go to the... Where did we eat that day when I met you for lunch? Chili Hills. That chicken wrap thing was freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting it, but it was delicious. It is.
2: Anyways, are we going to talk soccer or are we going to talk...
1: We are. We're going to talk soccer. We got a lot
0: to talk about this week. <laughs> First thing I had on the agenda this week, uh, brand new news came out. I believe it came out yesterday or maybe earlier today. So apparently sources are saying that Jill Ellis, former coach of the U S women's national team is on the short list to become the next head coach of DC United. Now this is significant for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I cannot think of a single major sport outside of the WNBA where there's been a female head coach. I think that's a phenomenal step for any league and I guess the biggest question I have is how do we think that this would actually go over with it, with the league, with the players, with the fans if Ellis was to be hired as the new coach?
1: That is a loaded question. Um, I think the fans would absolutely love it. I am not privy enough to her resume um, other than being the women's national team coach. Um, I, I I know there is some that some could argue that the women's talent that we have is beyond approach compared to beyond reproach compared to uh to the rest of the world and it doesn't matter who the coach is so is that her success or is that just the player's success um but i want it to happen i want to see it happen i think soccer is probably the most likely sport for it to happen anytime soon uh, would be my guess just because we know it's not going to happen in football. Um, there are some female assistants, which, isn't, which is good. Um, basketball, I could maybe see it happening. My, my only question is, I don't know how European countries kind of feel about women being in charge. So would any non-American players for DC United uh, have a problem with it would be the only question that I have. I hope... That we see it and i hope that it happens and that it works out and everybody embraces it and i think most people would nowadays um which is good it's a sign of the times changing a little bit so i hope it happens but when we've kind of seen names be on short lists before and it kind of just comes out that they're on the short list just to get the positive publicity and then they end up going with somebody else So let's see what happens there, and and hopefully we get the first female coach there in one of the major sports. All right, so real
0: quick, Earl, before you you, uh, get yours. So, Jacob, you you mentioned her resume. Jill Ellis was, of course, you know, we mentioned the U.S. Women's National Team Manager, led them to two World Cup championships. Um, They did exit in the quarterfinals of the 2016 Olympics in Rio. Now, as manager and interim manager of the Women's National Team, she had a record of 106 seven and 19 <laughs> <laughs> she also previously coached um at uh ucla and at the university of illinois as the head coach and she was assistant an assistant at nc state maryland and virginia before that she's had a, a fairly fairly lengthy career i mean she's been coaching since 1988 uh prior to beginning her coaching career she played at william and mary and she's actually from portsmouth england so, uh, I don't know if any people actually knew knew that or not, but so she's been around for uh, for quite a while. And let me see if I can pull up her overall coaching record right here. Um okay, that's just uh that just brings up her women's national team there. So, yeah, 106 wins, 19 ties, seven losses. It's an 87.5% win percentage in her coaching career.
2: Here's how I see it. I mean, I'm not trying to dog on her and you could probably throw hot take up if you want whatever that number was, a one sixteen, seven and whatever, most of it goes to her coaching or some of it can go to her coaching, but you're also playing you're also coaching some of the greatest athletes in the world. I mean, Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, just those three alone right there, they alone have two or three gold uh, championships to their name, world titles to their name. So uh not too dog on on Jill Ellis herself but a coach is only as good as their athletes.
0: So do you think that means that if even if DC United were to hire her, that DC United doesn't have the level of talent for her to be, a success, be successful?
2: I mean, she probably won't be as successful. She'll probably be successful. I'm not saying that. She probably won't be as successful. She'll. And then exactly as Jacob was saying a while ago, I mean, if there's any Iranian or Iraqi or any kind of afghan national on dc united i mean we all know how they feel about women how they don't listen to women so i don't know i'm 50 50 on that one i would love to see her take on a major role in a major sports entity i'm not sure how that would actually play out
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see you guys bring up an interesting point there you know are there players from nations that don't that aren't supportive of that that don't believe that you know women should be, uh, coaching, or even necessarily you know in charge of in charge of men. Um, now, I don't think that the MLS or the or or DC United would stand for that, if that was the case. I don't think they would bring her in if they didn't think she should she could do the job. Now, DC United is also going to need um, significant. Monetary in- influx. I believe they are owned by uh, what uh, the same guy that owns the Redskins. Correct? I, I believe so. Oh, Gosh, what? what, what I'm, trying, I'm pulling it up now. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. DC United Holdings is the official owner listed, but yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna need money. They really are. So, yeah, I don't. know. It'll be interesting to see. Now, they, there are some other names mentioned in there. Jason Kreis is one, and David Wagner from Schalke um, as potential. Uh, as potential managers for DC United. Now I know Atlanta United is also still looking, but this was I found this to be a very interesting story to come out today. So yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be one of those things. Just wait and see what happens. See what, if she gets hired, and if she does, what does she do with that club? What does management do with that club? Do they give her the support that she needs? Do they give her the players that she needs in order for in order for DC United to get back to winning ways? All right, moving right along. The next item that I had was playoff time, guys. There was an interesting, interesting matchup. And uh, Earl just fell out of his chair. There we go. Jim Mora, playoffs. Well, I think everyone knows the results from this past weekend. We'll go ahead and pull those up anyway and go over those. Uh, So obviously, uh, Nevex United won their match. We'll talk about that here in a little bit uh, by final of 1-0. Elsewhere in the round of 16, Charleston beat Charlotte by a score of 2 1. St. Louis beat Hartford by a score of 1 0. Tampa Bay won 4 2 over Birmingham. Louisville City beat Pittsburgh 2 0. Phoenix Rising beat Sacramento by a final of 1 0. El Paso beat FC Tulsa uh, on penalties. And then Reno 1868 did defeat LA Galaxy 2 by a final of 4 to 1. Now, I went ahead and I compiled some points based on our predictions from last week. Um, so I'm, for those of you that don't I'm sure you did Seth. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I went and uh, I, like I said compiled some points and I tweeted out what our, uh, what our predictions were uh, over the weekend. Now the way that we stand after the first round, Earl has five points with five correct guesses. Jacob has five points to five correct guesses. And I have six points to six correct guesses. So, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting weekend. We all had because uh, we all went Sacramento. We all missed out on Sacramento, obviously. Um, I had Phoenix too, and then <laughs> y'all talked me out of it. I think yeah, I think that is correct. We did talk you out of that. So um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting set of choices, an interesting set of picks that we had there. Um, so and we'll we'll get into this week's picks. Looking back at the matches that we picked last week, what do you think was your biggest miss?
1: Probably Pittsburgh. Um, I really thought that they would kind of take care of Louisville City and Louisville City just kind of controlled that match from beginning to end and never, I mean, they were within striking distance till the end there, but it just never felt like they were going to do anything. And I honestly, so I got that one wrong. I got Sacramento and Phoenix wrong, which we'll talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about that game a little bit more in depth here in a little bit. I got and then I got Charlotte and uh Charleston wrong. So yeah, it has to be Pittsburgh for me.
2: Of these what eight games, I only missed 3.
1: You picked Tulsa, you picked Sacramento, and then I th- I don't know what your other miss was honestly.
0: He went with uh Charlotte.
2: Charlotte.
1: Oh. Okay. Um It's going to have to be Charlotte, and
2: it's mostly because I didn't know anything about them. I don't really follow the East. Um, The Sacramento game went about as much as I expected it to. Um, The Tulsa game, actually, I was wrong on that one. I called El Paso. Uh, No, I don't remember who I called. I called Tulsa. Yeah, I missed that one. Uh, But that game went about as close as I expected it. So I think the one that I was completely off on, and it's just because I didn't know, was the Charlotte-Charleston game.
0: All right, yeah, fair to say, fair to say. I mean, we obviously don't pay a whole lot of attention to the East. I mean, our time is limited between work and, and all that, so it's hard to watch as, all the matches that, that are available out there. Um, for me, I would say it was the Louisville-Pittsburgh match, match as well. Uh, Jacob and I both went pit on that one. I really thought Pittsburgh had that one. Uh, they've been one of the strongest clubs in the East this season, and they just didn't play well, uh, or as well as as well as well I thought they would have, I should say. Um, I mean, the lose 2-0, Lose City. I mean, Lose City is a good club. They really are, so all credit to them. Uh, I just thought that Pittsburgh would have done a little bit better there. Uh, and congratulations, of course, to St. Louis, who in their final season is refusing to die.
2: Do you blame them? I mean, I have St. Louis going pretty deep into it i'm not gonna spoil my picks for the next couple weeks but i have them going pretty deep into it i have them going far into it and to watch them actually play and pretty much do their work against hartford was pretty nice to watch
1: can we let's take a second i i thought all the matches over the weekend were spectacular we had four of them going to extra time one go to penalties st louis scored in stoppage time to win uh, Pittsburgh-Louisville was close. Uh, it was a one-goal game until the end. Tampa Bay jumped out to a 2-0 lead and then gave it up and then ended up still winning by two goals. And then Reno was kind of kind of des- destroyed, Los dos, obviously. But the rest of it, I thought they were all spectacular. Uh, so I'm going to give credit to the USL there for putting out a quality, quality product. But then I'm going to turn around and say, USL, what are you doing with the fact that we couldn't watch any of those matches because we couldn't focus on any of them because they were all at the same time? Like, spread those things out, man. We we could have had like a whole weekend full of awesome USL playoff games, and instead, Earl, poor Earl over there, was watching four games on one screen. And it's awesome that we have the technology to do that, but that doesn't mean we have to utilize it when there's only eight games on and you put them all within three hours of each other.
2: Yeah. The USL definitely dropped the ball on that one. Um, it would have been nice to be a bum all day Saturday and just watch USL soccer. I would not have had any complaints except for my wife, um, but I wouldn't be complaining. I would have been in a happy place. Uh, so maybe if any USL brass listens to this. Um, for one, we are three crazy people um, and two, you should probably listen to us.
0: <laughs> yeah, we talked about it a lot a lot last week about the scheduling of these. Was it a was it a failure on the part of the USL? And as we were texting in our in our group text on Saturday night, you know, I had one match on my laptop, one on my PC, and then like I actually had multiple tabs up on my PC. I'm trying to go back and forth between all three. I felt like I really couldn't give any of them the attention they they truly deserve. Now I did while the New Mexico United match was on, I gave that the the priority. Of, of everything but I was still checking the other tabs to see what was going on it just could have been done so much better now yes the matches were great there was a lot of great play around the league and I think that I think a most of these the outcomes that people expected were what happened but again it's just you had such high quality play from the from these playoff teams that they really should have all been given their own chance to be in the spotlight so I haven't seen the schedule for this week. They screw us again this week. <laughs> I haven't looked at it. So I know that ours is, I think, tentatively scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Saturday night.
1: So the two Eastern Conference matchups, Louisville City and St. Louis, and then Charleston and Tampa Bay, are both, at the moment anyway, is scheduled for 5.30 Mountain Time on Saturday. And then Reno-Phoenix is at 7.00 Mountain Time. So that one will start while the other ones are finishing, and then yes, right now we are scheduled for seven thirty Mountain Time here, and it's just I don't I don't understand why you couldn't do at least spread them out a little bit, at least on like the Lou City or on the Eastern Conference side, give us like an hour, like start one at six thirty or four thirty, and then five thirty, and then start ours at seven thirty and eight thirty or something like that, and then for whatever reason decided not to do that you want to you knock out the eastern conference predictions before we move on to the, cause i really want to dig into some of these games or to the three games out west yeah
0: um yeah like you said i just real quick on this yeah it doesn't make sense it's not like it's the middle of summer right like it's like you have to avoid scheduling it like a 2 p.m kickoff or a 3 p.m kickoff when it's the hottest point of the day yeah there's no reason that these matches couldn't have been staggered a little bit better i mean Honestly, like looking at the schedule like Louis City, St. Louis or Tampa Bay, Charleston, I would love to go sit there and watch that entire match, one of those entire matches before one you switch over to Phoenix because yeah. they'll still be what half an hour left, 15 minutes, half an hour left, and those early matches before Phoenix and Reno kickoff. like yeah, USL should have done better. It's hard on fans, again, to, to give something their full attention when you've got multiple things going on at once. I mean, at least with like NFL, it's all like regionalized. You know, now USL doesn't have that obviously because of the deal with ESPN Plus, but
1: yeah, they should have done better. Which is why you have a deal with ESPN Plus. Like you can stream it. You don't have to worry if if there's a college football game on on ESPN. You're not going on ESPN. You're on ESPN Plus, so it doesn't matter. There could be six college football games on, and you can put your product out there to watch live then, and people that are USL fans are going to watch it. I mean, because let's face it, if you're not a USL fan, you're probably you not alive? turning on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> Fair. You're not going to turn on ESPN+, Plus though, and just scroll across this random game and put it on. So your, your whole target audience is pre-existing USL fans at this point in time. Now, for the final, with it being on ESPN, I could see making sure you want to that time slot and have to fight with other people or other sports entities to try to get the most eyes on you on there. But for right now with ESPN plus, USL fans are your target audience and they have the capability to stagger that to where USL fans can watch USL soccer all day Saturday. And the fact that they're not doing it just, I don't understand. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Maybe there's something to look at next season. Um, as it's probably not going to be the only improvement they look at for next season as well. So, and we'll get into that here in, uh, in just a second, because obviously the Western Conference is going to be our focus tonight. But looking ahead to this weekend, our two Eastern Conference matchups, Tampa Bay at Charleston, or I'm sorry, Tampa Bay is hosting Charleston. Uh, according to five thirty eight 538.com, Tampa Bay is currently favored by a 67% to 33% margin in that matchup. Uh, who do you guys have here?
1: Well, I'll go. I'll go first. I got some some a few stats here that might help Earl, uh, given his dearth of knowledge in the Eastern Conference. Um, these teams have played each other four times this year, and Charleston won three of them. Um, I don't understand why Tampa is favored that heavily, other than the fact that they're at home. But I, I'm going to go with a slight upset here and go Charleston.
2: I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, that's why I kind of laughed because. I I can care less really about numbers. I actually hate math. Um,
1: <laughs> That's fair.
2: But I mean, I do love I do love an upset. So I mean, I did pick Sacramento in the first round over Phoenix. Um. So yeah, I'll go Charleston.
0: Charleston. Okay. So I'm actually gonna go against the tide here. I'm gonna go against you guys. I'm gonna go with Tampa Bay now. I know that Charleston has played Tampa very well this year. They've got three wins. They actually um, Tampa Bay had actually been undefeated at home this season until they lost to Charleston, I believe, in the final week of the season. Um, now, that being said, Tampa Bay has been one of the better clubs in the USL of the last two seasons. I believe it was last year they put together, what, a 17-match, 15 15-match 15 undefeated streak or something like that. That was obviously eclipsed by Phoenix Rising's um, undefeated streak. Oof. But, yeah, Phoenix sucks. I think uh, I think we have to have a drinking game, whenever that comes out. <laughs> we to, anytime we say Phoenix sucks, then everyone takes a shot or something. But, um, I, yeah, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. I, I feel like they've got the, the stronger squad. I feel like they're a little better coached. And they're, they're going to go against recent history here. All right, next match up in the Eastern Conference, we have... Louisville City hosting Saint Louis FC, who is, who is of course is trying to stave off the end of their final season as a club. Lou City is uh, favored by a margin of seventy four percent to twenty six percent, according to USL Championship. I'm sorry, five thirty eight dot com. What do you guys have here? Do you guys think that Saint Louis can pull off another miracle and keep their dream going, or does uh, Lou City as basically like uh, I think they're considered like the, the number one seed in the East? So.
1: Well, I think we know Earl's pick, uh, <laughs> judging by what he was saying earlier. And you know, I I love the Cinderella story. I love. I would love to see St. Louis, you know, beat Lou and and even if that's the last game that they play, I'm sure they'd be happy beating Lou in the playoffs. And I just, I, I don't know what to do. I just don't. Um, I'll, I'll get back to you in just a minute, Seth. Go ahead or Earl. Go ahead.
0: I think for those of you that aren't watching Earl has been holding up a uh, a picture here and possibly his laptop to the to his to his webcam here so Earl for those of the, for those folks that aren't listening do not you go ahead and tell them uh, what you were trying to show the chat
2: so what I was showing on the chat was st. Louis Football Club um, yeah they're the underdog but just a little bit once again I'm terrible at math um <laughs> why the heck not if it's their last game at least they went there. I see them going down swinging yeah um, Louis City didn't look all that great to be the number one seed. Um, I do see St. Louis capitalizing on that and showing them what's what's going on. I I have St. Louis.
0: All right, so there's Earls. Uh, I think we all kind of knew that one was coming. Uh, For me personally, I I love St. Louis. They were our compatriots in the U.S. Open Cup last season, both making it to the quarterfinals. But I've got to go Louisville City. They're just a better club on the pitch, on paper, and
1: it's going to be Lew City at home taking the du- taking the win. Oh, I'm still torn, guys. So here's my thought process. My thought process is this.
2: It's okay. We can talk you out of it.
1: If Charleston wins, then we're all three tied. I can almost guarantee you that we're going to have the same picks out west. So if we're all three tied after the Charleston match, and you guys already split on Lew City and St. Louis, then the best I can do is tie somebody. You can't take the draw here. I, I know. I know. So it's really just about making sure that Seth over there doesn't pull away. <laughs> and my, my heart says St. Louis just cause I think it'd be an awesome story, but my brain says Lou city. Um, go with and your heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, no, I'm going to go with Lou city cause I went with my heart in the Phoenix match last week and it screwed me. So we'll talk about I'm gonna that. I'm going to have to go, I'm gonna have to go to Lou city and, uh, We'll uh we'll move we'll move on to to the Western Conference and talk about
0: it. I know uh, you guys can't see it, but before Jacob even said that he was picking, I had him down as Blue City.
1: Yeah, that's
0: fair. <laughs> so point for me predicting Jacob's pick there. <laughs> so the West uh, got a little chippy this past weekend. Uh as we know Reno 1868 did win. They advanced no real drama there. Congratulations to Reno 1868 and our buddy Ben Bowery. For getting a playoff win over there. Reno is, of course, the number one overall seed in the West. So they will be hosting um crap, where'd my thing go? Uh, Phoenix Rising FC. Ooh. Phoenix sucks. Phoenix sucks. Came out last week and played Sacramento Republic FC. And this match was really tough. Like, we we all took Sacramento. We all thought Sacramento had a real good shot at winning this. And it genuinely looked that way.
2: No, they did. They, they did. Up until
0: the very end. Um, you know, Phoenix uh, sucks. Just couldn't put anything past them. Sacramento played really well. Came down to the end of the match. And we all know what happens where... Santi Moore delivered a, uh, a shot from the from the, from the left side of the, of the box. And initially it appeared to, and it, according to the call from the announcers, it was deflected by Solomon Asante. A closer review showed that he actually punched, literally punched the ball into the back of the net. Now we give Solomon Asante a lot of flack for being a diver. I didn't know he knew the Falcon punch from Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> and uh yeah so phoenix sucks decided to uh manage to pull ahead and get a one nil victory based on this now i don't know about you guys i watched this replay and it was bang bang you know live action but if you especially if you slow it down it's clear absolutely crystal clear that this is a handball now the referee was only a matter of yards away potentially slightly interfered with, with his line of sight. But he ruled a goal. There's nothing really that can be done about it at this point. USL does not have VAR. Now they were one of the leagues that pioneered it back in 2017. I have not used it since. This is one of those situations where MLS talks about clear and obvious error. This was without a doubt, one of the most crystal clear, instances i've seen where there was a wrong call and there's just nothing that can be done about it now i don't know if you guys saw the video that that went out after the fact apparently solomon asante was like (laughs) laughing and showing what he did like showing like like swinging his fist like he actually like showing what he did to hit the ball and i've been i've been waiting and waiting usl championship has not made a single statement on this of course not should something have been done retroactively? I mean, I know that that would completely throw the playoffs out of whack. Should USL Champions have done something retroactively? Should something have been done to to Solomon Asante retroactively for his deliberate action there? And how do you think that this carries over into the match against Reno?
2: So to answer your question, um, no, nothing should be done retroactively. No, Solomon Asante shouldn't get any kind of punishment to say. Um, I watched the replay. Actually, I was just watching it before we hopped on. And I have to disagree with you that there really is no obstruction to the ref's view. There's really not. Um, Does it suck watching Phoenix suck Um, advance? Yes, it, it, it does. Like there's nothing worse in my mind um that sucks worse than that. Except the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> God bless me. Um but yeah, so I watched it time and time again. I actually did like slow motion on the Xbox as best as I could and there was no obstruction from the ref to miss that. Uh so yeah, it sucks. And the USL should probably think of maybe implementing like a challenge in the playoff where you could challenge that play, and there becomes instant replay. Um, that would be nice. But really, it is what it is. Uh, I don't see Phoenix getting past Reno. Um, uh, so there's my take on that one. Um, spoiler alert.
1: If I watch that in real time you it, it happens so fast it's a it's a strong shot from Santi coming in with a lot of pace and Asante you know whips his body around so quickly that i don't fault the ref or the the official for not seeing it i don't fault uh, anybody for not seeing it really i will say that in real time when it first happened i questioned it i wasn't sure but i questioned it but then yeah when they slow it down and you zoom in on it and whatnot it is definitely clear that he he hits the ball with his hand whether he did that on purpose or not i, I intent is one of those things that is just so hard to tell um because it happens so fast like I'll put it this way. If it, happens happened so fast that if he meant to do that and executed it, give him the goal. I don't care that that shot was coming in with so much pace that if he was able to do that quick enough and think that way fast enough, then, then kudos to him and he should get the goal. Cause that happened so fast that very, very few humans on this earth, uh, I think would be able to actually pull that off if that's what they were thinking. So I think it was more of a, I'm going to try to chest this in and in the process of whipping his arm, he whipped his arm around a little too fast and ended up punching the ball into the back of the net. As for the people that are complaining about that and the goal in the United game that we'll get to here shortly. Um, saying that we need better refs and saying that we need VAR and this and that and the other. Calm down. Just calm your tits, guys. Just relax. Yes, I know that the officiating in USL championship level isn't where it should be. No way. But on both of those calls, they're both like impossible to see with the naked eye what happens. The, the United goal, I've looked at that replay a thousand times and I still can't tell if he touches it or not so yes the Asante goal with VAR would clearly be overturned but we don't have VAR yet we probably won't have VAR next year this is what you signed up for this is the product that we're watching this is the product that we fell in love with you have to deal with it until improvements can be made so suck it up go home come back next year and play some more soccer. That's all I can say. It sucks. I know it sucks. It sucks to go home on a call that isn't appropriate. But at the moment, this is what we got. And the USL officials are humans. Sometimes I think people forget that. But they are human beings. They're going to make mistakes. It's not necessarily their fault that they miss a, I wouldn't even say bang, bang, because it was faster than a bang, bang play um, and didn't happen to see it. It is what it is. So nothing should be done retroactively. Nothing, unless there was VAR, nothing should be done after the fact. Um, And like I've told, I've gotten into it with several San Antonio fans this year or this week. You had 120, Sacramento had 120 minutes to put the ball in the back of the net, just like San Antonio did. And they didn't do it a single time. So yes, it sucks to lose on a bad call, but you have other chances to not lose on a bad call that you didn't do either. So blaming one game or one blaming them, losing a match on one call is ridiculous because there's other things that go into it. There's 120 minutes of soccer, one bad call at the end of a basketball game. There's 48 minutes that you could say needs. So you could have done something else differently there and, or something else better. So while I feel for them to an extent, I'm also... I get it. Move on. It's over. This whole... Oh my goodness. Yeah, I've seen San Antonio fans starting to cheer on El Paso. You guys are in the same state. You play for a cup. The... the Copa. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Aren't you
2: the soccer fan of this club?
1: Sometimes. <laughs> um, and, and they're starting to root for them just because of a possible handball on us that the refs missed. It's ridiculous, guys. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that, obviously, here in our our next uh, match. Jacob, what's your pick for the Reno and Phoenix Sucks matchup this week?
1: Reno all day. Reno all day. It's in Reno. Reno's played them once already. Reno beat them. Reno is on... They're just in fantastic form all year. Granted, if you look at Reno's... Schedule. They had a lot of Tacoma. They had a lot of Portland. Um, and then their first playoff match was against Los Dos, who obviously earned a spot in the playoffs by beating beating out San Antonio or San Diego and Orange County. But I still don't think anybody thinks that they were one of the top 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 teams in the in the league. So Reno has had has, an easy, had, has had an easy path, but like I said, they have played. Sacramento several times. They played Phoenix once, and they still came on top of that group and came on top of that Phoenix match. So, I I think Reno will find a way to pull it out. Um, but if not, hey, maybe I'll go to Phoenix next weekend.
0: Reno versus Phoenix. We're not going to spend too much more time on this. I yeah, the, the handball this week is absolutely atrocious. Um, I think it does bring bring to the forefront once again the conversation surrounding VAR. Jacob, you mentioned that you didn't think the league would implement it next year. Now I know Sam, I think is a door, one of the management of Phoenix Rising tweeted out that he thinks that they will be in the league next year. Um, I responded saying that I didn't think it would because number one, you've got clubs that most likely don't meet the technical needs for it. And you also gotta examine the cost of having VAR implemented. And I just don't see it happening. Um one of the, one other comment that I saw about it was that, you know, you look at some of the parks that are played in, they just don't have the room or the the angles available to them to do that. Now, if you look at like El Paso, down at Southwest University Park, that stupid left field corner, like you can't see what's what's going on down there from particular from their overhead angle, you know, their wide angle. You have to basically be either like on the sideline or on the, on the, on the, the touchline there or across the pitch from it in order to get that angle or behind that, behind that goal, you know? And so, well, I don't think Iostopes park would have similar, that, that same issue. You're still going to have, no matter where you're at, you're going to have some clubs that you know, can't do it. There are some places like El Paso. The one thing that I will give them credit for is they do have that goal cam, that camera, right, you know, inside of the goal or on the top of it, wherever it is. I think it's like in the back of the net. They have that camera there. Um, some of the other clubs that we've seen, like San Antonio, we they have some really good camera angles. There's just places that I just don't I don't see it happening. I don't see the and the I don't see the league or the clubs have necessarily having enough money all the time or the technical uh the tech to do VAR. I mean, it absolutely needs to be implemented, even if it's only for goal decisions or you know, rechecking your know, possible red cards. If that those are the only instances. Checking goals, you know, to see if maybe offside, you know, something like that. Then in that case, I, I think maybe to save in you know, from like a budgetary aspect. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what USL does with situations like this and how they handle it going forward.
2: So to kind of feed off of that, um, there are some stadiums, though, and I will put Isopes Park in that same category where there will be some instances where VR won't work out. Such as if you're on the northern end of the field, and that sun is setting at about seven o'clock at night. I mean, we've all watched ESPN Plus when the when the sun is setting on the camera. You can't see a dang thing. Is it going to be the same thing with that VAR camera right there?
0: Well, I think with with VAR, you're going to have multiple angles that you can look at. It's not just going to be like one angle. Like I think ideally, and especially in a place like Isotopes Park, you're going to have you know the the wide shot that we that we see from the broadcast, you know, from uh, from center field or right center field. You've got that one. And then you you should ideally have, you know, potentially like a goal cam, like England over in, the, over in England, they have the goal decision system. You know, they review it to see did the ball actually go all the way over the line. Maybe a camera right there on the goal line, somewhere like at the corner of the goal. Then you've got cameras going down either side, you know, or maybe, or maybe down one side to check for offside. And then like you need, at least another, you know, like angled shot to check to, you know, possibly in the goal area for things such as fouls or, or handball things like that. So it's just a matter of setup, you know, can the clubs do it now? Something I saw and I'm going to pull this from, from major league baseball in the game last night between the Braves and Dodgers. I don't know if they had a drone going down the third baseline or if they flew a camera like you see in the NFL games but I thought that was a fantastic camera angle. And if you had that in soccer matches, like you'd be able to get a much better view of a lot of the pitch.
1: Yeah. The only only problem I would see with that would be with as high as some of these balls go up in the air. I'm assuming that, well, I know for like the NFL, it's cables. It used to be, I don't know if it still is or not. Uh, So if it's a drone, you'd almost have to have the drone out of play. Um, the majority of the time off of the pitch floating off behind the goal or or by the benches or something and then zoom in whenever you felt it was safe and I I could just see somebody not paying attention the ball hitting the drone causing all kinds of commotion I don't know but I the only way I think VR comes in next year is if they they do a limited thing where they have like a tablet on the side of the the pitch there for, for the official to go look at. And then they just use existing camera angles. So in some places like El Paso, you're going to have a blind spot. And if something happens in that corner, and even if it goes to VAR, you might not be able to see it. Same with, um, the lab, uh, with some of our camera angles and stuff. I think offside would almost have to be not challengeable just because I've never seen a good angle, in a usl match that shows if somebody's offside or not um so they could have got the handball on asante correct they could have looked at the we hand one um so the stuff from this weekend could be looked at and decided on with just existing camera angles but i don't know if they'll want to rush into it like that it's it's hard to say I, i think that's another topic for uh a bigger topic for a bigger um, or for another pod for another episode, just because I, I, I kind of find it funny that the people that are crying for VAR here in the USL are also the ones that bitch about it uh, in the premier league and how it's not working, even though it works the majority of the time. So you're, you're going to be damned if you
2: different.
1: do. Yeah, that's true. You're going to be damned if you do, damned if you don't, no matter what. So, um, that that just goes to my whole you know, um, whatever happens happens and you got to deal with it at this day and age or with where we're at right now in the USL. Yep.
0: So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the board of governors decide in the off season. Do they implement it or not? Um, and we'll find out probably you know here in a couple of months what happens. So, and real quickly before we move on, I of course am taking Reno for no reason other than the fact that I'm taking Reno. That's all there is to that one. All right, guys, on to New Mexico United. Of course, if you were with us last week, you heard us talk about how important the matchup was against San Antonio. San Antonio was an overwhelming favorite last week. Uh, according to 538.com, this was basically the one upset of the week. Um, United, uh, San Antonio was favored by 65% to 35% in that matchup. Now, we knew going in it was going to be a... A tough match now we did have some higher uh score lines going on but united did pick up uh, their seventh clean sheet of this season uh third in a row actually so congrats to cody for that looking at this match it was a very it was it was a tough match like it was physical united controlled much of the run of play uh they can very high on the possession i think they end up with something like 58 59 percent i could be wrong i have to pull that up but um at one point the, the 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 announcers said that united had completed like 519 passes uh, i think that was at some point um in the middle of the of the second half and united of course we know is one of the more pass heavy clubs and it ultimately worked out well for united um, in the 101st minute, uh, Chris Weehan did get the ball inside the box. He flicked, him, flicked a little volley over to him, over to himself. Over, I believe it was uh, um crap. I forgot his name. Anyway, I will think about here in just a second. Flicked the ball over the head of a defender, uh, brought it down and put a left-footed shot into the bottom right-hand corner. And again, in the 101st minute to break the uh, the nil-nil tie. And from that point on. The match got rather chippy. Uh, We saw a number of different instances uh, where yellow cards, I think there were seven yellow cards given out in extra time. And looking at that, I mean, we saw Dev take a real hard hit uh, in the back down in the attacking third at one point. And we saw, I I keep, I'm forgetting names. I'm sorry, guys. I forget names. But um, basically it was stood over by a San Antonio defender who appeared to spit on him. Uh, judging just but just looking at the uh, the the movements now Devin did come out later and say that the player did not spit on him he did however swear at him and swear at his hair uh, which I thought was one of the more hilarious things I've ever heard um, but United just kept up the pressure and they were able to come away uh, out of San Antonio beating basically what many perceived as the best club coming out of the west despite not you know obtaining home field advantage throughout so I mean, what were you? What were your takes on the match? Did United live up to expectations? Did they exceed your expectations? And then you also we'll talk about extra time here as well. So
2: I got the point. So um, United did exactly what I expected them to do. I mean, we called it last week. You can probably go back and listen to it. We all three of us called San Antonio going down and losing. Um, did I expect it to go?
1: Only one of us called a shutout though.
2: Um, was that you or what? Yes. Of course it was me. <laughs> I don't remember I've slept since then.
1: <laughs>
2: um either way, we all expected United to win and they did. Um I was actually super happy for more than one reason. Um the first reason is we finally got to see the team not panic when it wasn't going their way. I mean, they played a hundred something minutes before they finally got the got the ball in. Um, to see them actually stick through the match and stick through it, keep grinding, keep hustling, keep keep playing really. It was nice to see that. Even after the lower subs came <laughs> in and took over the starters and it was nice. The second reason why I was happy is because my wife, who is not a sports fan whatsoever somehow managed to sit and watch 120 minutes of soccer with me, <laughs> but know how. And so you're the real winner, huh? Yeah. So I was exactly the real winner there because I got to sit with my wife for 120 minutes and just try to explain soccer to her, which was kind of interesting. Nice. So I'm not sure if she knows the real rules of so- real real rules of soccer. Who but does? what she knows right what she knows right now is that United is the best. That's all that matters, right? Exactly.
1: So real quick there Seth to kind of talk about some of the things you were talking about. Uh United finished the match with 651 passes. Only? And a 76.2% passing accuracy. And they controlled possession fifty eight point two to forty one point eight um and then, as for the yellow cards, there were two yellow cards before we scored, and then after we scored, there were one two three, four five six, seven uh so yes, things got crazy after we ended up going ahead uh in the hundred and first minute there. What I find insane here though is. Tainter only had one yellow card, <coughs> which it wasn't even for when he yelled F you and F your hair. It was some other time entirely. And then I don't know who PC is on here. Do you know? Does anybody know PC? Does anybody know his real name? Uh,
0: I looked it up. Yeah. They, they call him, they just call him PC. That's what he's better known as. Um, His real name is, is it Victor? Uh, Hang on.
1: Victor Gyro. Because there's not a PC on the team sheet here. And I'm pretty sure he did get one He got one yellow card uh, in stoppage time. uh, Or in extra, added extra time. I don't know how he did not get one earlier in the match. He was headhunting Sandoval on several duels where he squared him up. Jumped up, hit him with the elbow, hit him with the shoulder. Um he I did not like that guy. I did not like that guy one bit. Um I
2: think they left an O out of his name.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was your joke Shipping, on Sunday. Should
2: be P O C
1: And um it, it it the the Mac the match just got so chippy. They ended up with so many yellows. Um I think Mizell's yellow was pretty quick um, delaying time there. I I that that one was really dumb. We had, we had a hundred and where we had 15, 20 minutes left or 17 minutes left. I don't think he was trying to kill time. Um, The other the San Antonio player put the ball down in a spot. Mizell didn't want to kick it from there. He always kicks it from the other side. He picked it up, took it over there, put it down, was going to kick it. It got a yellow card. Um, so that yeah, one exactly had, that that one really bugged me. Yeah, that one I had a problem with from the referee side. Guzman's however, I had a problem with from Guzman's side because he just kicked the ball. Yeah, so, so uh, uh, we had someone else do that a couple weeks ago, right? Yes. And I'm like, hey, "Guz, what are you doing? Like that's just you're not thinking there." Like the fact that him and Tanari both got yellows at some point during the match, I'm just like, what are, what are you guys doing? What, what's the plan there? Like, why are you, I don't know. I was just, there were things that I was just completely baffled by some decisions there at the end, by the referee, by some of our players, by a lot of their players. And, um, you know, and it will, we hands goal. Uh, well, We'll finally, I guess, dive into that a little bit. Um, well, let me ask you, let me ask you this real quick before ahead. we do that. So, USL
0: has carded players for foul and abusive language, right? There's something in there, and and the rules about foul and abusive language. How is saying "f you," "f your hair"? How is that not foul and abusive language, especially when it's done right in front of the referee? Like, could that? Do you think that that shouldn't that should have been a cardable offense?
1: I think the referee just started laughing and was just so taken back by the hilarity of the moment of, <laughs> of Tanner just saying F your hair. Like, I think he was just like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? That's hilarious. You're so dumb. And didn't even think about pulling a card would be my only thought of it. I don't know. I, Cause to me, to me, not only was what he said worth a yellow, the foul itself was worth a yellow. And then the, action of getting in in somebody's face like that and saying anything that's not i love you uh that should be a yellow so i don't know how it wasn't a yellow
2: here's what bothers me is whatever the crap that guy's name was tainter or Tainer or whatever retainer whatever the heck his name was just um, taint think of taint. taint exactly taint whatever his name is um told dev F you F your hair didn't get a card, but moments later, Bees gets a card for pretty much pushing the guy out of the way for what looked like dev getting spit on. I mean if you look at it real time, you're on the field, um, yeah. you see that happen. Yeah. I'm gonna assume my player just got spit at. That's what I'm gonna assume. So yeah, so I would always come to defend my player. So for Bees to get a card for sticking up for his player, and for Taint to not get a card,
0: if you watch the the live reaction from people on Twitter, um, probably on other social media sites as well, and if you look at even I mean, even Dev's own wife put out a tweet saying, you know that he had been spit on. If it's that obvious of an of an action, why isn't something done about it? And I don't blame Bees at all for, for stepping up and, and getting in his face about
1: it.
2: I would have did the same thing.
1: I, I feel like the assistant referees a lot of the times, um, like it they, they never stick up for themselves and they never say, hey, you need to give this guy a card or anything like that. In the USL anyways, I see it in other leagues, but not, not here. I feel like they're stuck so low on the totem pole that they just don't feel confident in making any of those calls. And I don't know where the the main official was during that i wasn't paying attention to it but um i could see that being a case as to why he didn't get anything but the fact that they didn't get but they got four yellows and i actually missed one earlier so it was eight eight yellow cards dish out dished out after the goal and only two before that i like the idea of letting the guys play so while I thought PC could have got a couple yellow cards pretty easily, or at least one more earlier in the match, um, you know i I tend to lean towards swallow the whistle and just let them play and, and and let them figure it out. but you can't do it both ways. you can't you have to have some control of the match for one, and then you can't just start giving yellows out like crazy. For random stuff. So. Just the inconsistency there. Really bothered me.
2: So yeah. So I agree with you on. Swallowing the whistle. And letting them play. Unless it's a clear and obvious foul. Such as taint. Allegedly what looked like spitting on dev. I mean. For the assistant ref to not even. Acknowledge that to the head ref. That's. That's kind of shady kind of crappy um but even at that you that head ref is supposed to see everything going on on the field was his vision Mm -hmm. obstructed probably that's why nothing got called but all he had to do was ask hey what happened oh he said f me and f my hair i probably would have laughed too but yeah that probably went yellow
0: yeah there was a lot of reaction on twitter after this match and during this match to not only the situation with Tainter, but also the uh, Wehan's goal, you know, a uh, friend of the show, Harry, um, definitely was not one of his better days on Twitter, I will say, you know, Harry, <coughs> we love you, but like, I'm sorry, man, some of your takes and then at one point like, he said that, that Dev had been diving. I'm like, come on, Dev took some serious shots in this match. And especially that one at the end from Tainter came in from behind, basically launching himself in the dev, hit him in the you know back in the in the back in back of the head, whatever it might have been. That was a serious foul. That came in as a real hard foul. And it just yeah, just completely unwarranted from from Tainter there. And I think a lot of the reaction at that point was still just like building upon what had happened with Weehan's with goal and and so, Jacob, I know you were wanting to bring it up. And so the controversy here is that when Bees flicked the ball over the defender's head, the, it, some, some people claim that Bees brought the ball down, controlled it with his right arm, and it should have been waved off as a handball. Now, we did mention earlier, Jacob, you said you watched it time and time. I've watched this thing probably you know, 30, 40 times already. And I was in a discussion in the, the EUSL championship that I'm a part of. Uh, obviously, an El Paso fan uh, was going on and on saying that it was wrong. It shouldn't have been this, that, shouldn't have been called. There should have been a handball, all this kind of stuff. I said, show me a definitive angle where you can 100% say that the ball is on his arm. And looking at it, I couldn't find one. Now, I will concede it looks like it might have but the ball did not change its trajectory. The ball didn't go anywhere different. It didn't like suddenly just drop at his feet. It actually like went down and to like actually like hit the ground and rolled to his left. Like if you're trying to control the ball, why would you do that?
1: And it didn't even hit the ground. It Doyle got a leg to it. And he's the one that knocked it to Bees's left. It's just nobody else reacted fast enough to clear it. And Bees was the fastest to react and ended up getting to it and putting it in the back of the net. Like San Antonio just got so salty after this, after that goal, both on the pitch and on Twitter and for the next three days after that. It's been it's been so salty. Um, I'm watching it right now. The ball doesn't move. Like it doesn't, the ball doesn't change spin. It doesn't change direction. What makes me think he might, it might hit him is his arm and the sleeve of his jersey. You can kind of see react a little bit when the ball gets to where it's towards his arm. And that's what I thought the whole time, but it's not definitive. I don't think it has any effect on the play itself. Let me ask you guys this. If VAR was here, what happens to that goal?
2: I think we have a 10 minute video of it being looked at and then it just gets <laughs> it just gets called the way it stood cuz if I'm not mistaken VAR is clear and definitive and that is not clear and definitive.
1: Have you have you not watched any European soccer? Clear and definitive doesn't mean clear and definitive. Clear and definitive means a wide variety of things. I personally think it gets overturned.
2: You do have USL refs.
1: Right. I think it probably gets overturned just because it, it's close enough that I would see them saying that they don't want to have the game possibly end because of a missed call there and and would like the the, the goal to be fair for sure and 100%. For, I don't know. I, I think it gets overturned though looking at it because I do think it touches his arm. If I'm being completely 100% unbiased, I do think it touches his arm. I just don't think it's near as close or near as impactful as the Asante goal um, against Phoenix or something like that. It's so you're saying maybe it was an incidental contact. Yes, yes. It. It. it, it I don't think he does it on purpose. Um, I don't know. It. It sucks that it happened because. I feel like we were the better team, the majority, overwhelming majority of the match. I feel like we were the better team. I feel like we had the better chances. I felt like we, I don't want to say deserved the win, but we definitely played better than San Antonio up until that point. So I feel like we would have won anyways, even if it wouldn't have been for that particular goal. I feel like had it been 0-0 for the rest of that extra time, I honestly still think we find a way to get one past them. But it sucks to have this stupid, salty San Antonio fans and salty USL fans in general, because I don't know if you guys know this, but among other fan bases, we're not very popular. I know. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) Shocker, right? Um, So it just sucks for them to have ammunition whatsoever, whether it's warranted or not. I just I would have rather had just a nice clean solid victory even if it was just one goal um one goal that had no controversy around it where they couldn't come back at us and say that we quote unquote cheated or got lucky or whatever because it, I don't think there's any chance in hell that we had was trying to do something there I don't think that it Even if Weehan did do something there, it didn't affect the play all that much. Um, It falls essentially straight down, bounces up, Doyle kicks at it, hits him in the lower knee, squirts away, and then nobody else reacts except for Weehan. So, it's just frustrating that they have that when they should be looking at the fact that they couldn't score on us for 120 minutes. They didn't react to the ball once it bounced off of Doyle's leg and just didn't play well in general, especially after that point. So it sucks. I think it probably gets overturned if there was VAR, but I think think the better team won. We'll put it that way.
2: So here's how I'm looking at it, and we said it just a while ago. We played 120 freaking minutes. It was 0-0 until the 101st. The fact that the better team couldn't score on the lower team goes to say something. I mean, if you base your play off of one, if you base your game off of one play, then yeah, okay, but the fact that your play the entire game was subpar I mean, there's not really any leverage you can use except maybe if it was like a 3-4 win. Like, if it was an absolute shootout and it came down to that last goal that bees put in at the 101st minute, then yeah, okay, I would actually probably sit there and listen to him. But the fact that it was 0-0 zero, zero, and then the score went in, no, I'm i am not even going to give him time with D.
0: From my perspective, to answer your question, Jacob, if we had var what happens with this call i put this out i believe it was on twitter the other day i said that given the camera angles that were available in this match if you have var implemented i think however it gets called on the field it's going to stand that way from the angles that we had i don't think you can definitively say yes he he played that was a, that was a handball a deliberate handball i also think you can't say that no that there wasn't a handball there again, based on the angles that were available. so it, it's just gonna stay you know f- with whatever the the center referee calls. And so again, it's just it's one of those instances where USL has to look at implementing VAR for next season at the same time again, it's you have to have better camera angles. you have to have more more camera angles so you can have enough different looks to where you can make an accurate decision. Yeah,
1: I agree. There. First of all, you take the handball out of the play, and it's a beautiful freaking goal. Yeah. The the <laughs> ball from, I, be, I believe it's Estrada over to Najim. Najim, one touch with his head over his defender to Weehan, and then Weehan's little up and over of Doyle, and in the finish, I mean, it, it's stunning to watch almost every time that I've watched it since it happened has been the slow-mo or the replay of it from the side. Um, And I hadn't gone back and watched it live. So that's what I was just doing and watching it live with no VAR. It doesn't surprise me that the center referee didn't call it a handball because one, the supposed handball, you know, it's the center referee and then bees and then the ball. So, B's blocks him out and then two since the ball doesn't react whatsoever you have no reason to think it hit his arm right because it looks like it just falls down like it's supposed to so for those all up in arms about it you know you could complain about not having var to not get the call right but there's no way to me that you can look at that and say oh the ref missed it badly just completely Sim- very similar to the asante thing like the referee missed it but I don't blame them for missing it. I don't understand why people are all pissed off about it. Um, cause they actually show an angle from the opposite goal and you can see the center referee we hand in the ball are like all in one line and there's no way the referee can see that. It kind of goes back to my point of why is there only one referee in the middle of the pitch? I just don't understand that. Um, cause it's a hard, a hard, hard sport to referee. And there's a lot of space there and a lot of things that you got to look for. He can't see that. So why isn't there somebody else out there where you could have two of them in the middle of the pitch, seeing him from different angles, they might be able to make that call. They might be able to make the call on Asante. So I don't understand that only having one to cover that much space, but that's another topic for another day. Um, at the end of the day, like we said, I think the better team on the day one, we played one of our best defensive matches that I've ever seen us play. And that's saying something, since it was our seventh clean sheet of the season, I thought we just held we held an offensive juggernaut almost, a borderline juggernaut to nothing on the score sheet. We held them to only two shots on target. They did put up 17 shots, but only two of them found the target. And i, I we just completely controlled it. I just don't understand. So while, yes, it could have come down to a controversial goal that was scored, one, even if they call it a handball, there's no guarantee San Antonio wins. Like I said, we've been playing better. If it goes to penalties, we've been there, done that before. So it's not like it was guaranteed San Antonio win if they do call that handball on hand. So for them to just be complaining about it nonstop all week and for us to all of a sudden become villains um, in the USL fanship or in other fans' eyes is just stupid and childish. And I don't understand why why it happened. So I hope that we can come out and just destroy El Paso and say, you know what? F you and F your handball, to quote, to, to paraphrase Tainter.
0: It's just going to be one of those things. People are going to argue about it for a while. Eventually they'll get over it. I mean, for any club to go out, on a handball it's tough you know i feel bad for for any club but you know it's just one of those things it, it happens unfortunately you know in the in the phoenix sucks match they of course got away with it which was a, a clear handball upon review um again as you just you don't know like you can't tell from the information that's available despite it, it looked like it might have happened so i think it's i think everyone just needs to say you know, take a step back Move on. And if you're no longer in, in the playoffs, you know, start looking toward forward to next season. But for United, however, we have another match coming up here in just a couple days. And this one, of course, uh, I can't mention at the top of the show, we are buying a condo down in El Paso. We're just gonna permanently set up residence down there and continue to we're just gonna broadcast live from El Paso every week, since that's where we seem to just keep playing. So, um United and El Paso, of course, are meeting in the conference semifinals. Uh, Once again, New Mexico United is considered the underdog, according to 538.com. El Paso is favored uh, with a 59% chance to win. Now, the meetings between the two, it's both clubs have won two matches now with one draw in the middle. So, yeah, it's... uh, Two draws. uh, Two draws, that's right. Two draws, I apologize, so... Um, yeah, it's going to be our fifth trip down to El Paso this year. I know that we're sick and tired of talking about El Paso. I'm pretty sure people are, are sick and tired of reading about El Paso. Um, so, I mean, let's just do, you know, down and dirty, you know, here's, you know, here's our keys to the match and our prediction.
2: Keys to the match is pressure, pressure, pressure. The more you can piss off Logan Ketterer, I, I can't stand that guy, by the way. Um, the more you can piss off Logan Ketterer and just keep firing shots at him, he's going to screw up sometime soon. And I hope he just does it a couple hundred times against us. I mean, I would not mind to see him break his line and us just knock one right over his head. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it knock it at his head, but that's just me. Um... But over his head and into the goal would be nice. My prediction is this is a crazy one, 10-0. I'm going to call it (laughs) 10-0. I mean, I I don't care what the score really is. I'll be happy with a 1-0 win. I'll be happy with a 5-0 win. Um, I'll be happy with a 5-4 win. As long as we freaking win, that's all that really matters.
1: Seth, I'm going to let you go ahead and go, bud. All right, so... I'm sick and tired of talking about El
0: Paso. I, I put it over on the Reddit. Yeah, you know, I know some folks are excited to be able to, you know, head down there if they're able to get tickets, but you know, I, I don't you know from a media perspective, like I said, I'm sick and tired of writing about El Paso. I've previewed the four matches already <laughs> for them this year. Like I'm just I'm tired of writing about them. I would have taken anybody else over El Paso just for the simple fact that I just don't want to write about them again. You know, I'm gonna kinda of echo at least one of Earl's sentiments. I had to step away for just a moment. I know, I heard the first you talk about pressure. Uh, pressure is going to be absolutely key. Now, if you watched the match Saturday night, we didn't necessarily employ the heavy pressure like we've seen now. Yes, Dev and the others were pushed up the pitch quite a bit at times, but we've seen in other matches where they are heavily applying the pressure more frequently. Now, again, yes, we were getting forward. Yes, we were pushing San Antonio back at times, but it, we didn't really see like bees or you know, making those runs like, up towards their, their, their center backs or, or their you know their wing backs or whoever they had that set up as to try to you know disrupt what they were trying to do. Instead, we let them pass the ball around, and they were trying to play the ball forward quickly, and that's where that's where San Antonio's issues were. Now we know El Paso likes to play out of the back. We know that's how they like to build up, and we know that we've caused problems for them in the past doing that. So, like you said, Earl, you know, pressure is going to be one of the the absolute big keys to the match. Can we disrupt them playing out of the back, getting that build-up? And I think the other issue, too, is they no longer have Omar Salgado. They have somewhat struggled to score goals. Now, they did put up two against FC Tulsa, who was a better club than we all thought with the showing that they had against El Paso. But it's going to be containing... The uh, controlling the midfield. So you've got the high press, number one. You've got to control the midfield. Stopping that buildup, stopping them from getting the ball beyond the halfway point and into the final attacking third, that's going to be the key right there, controlling those two points to the pitch. And I think if we can do that, United has shown time and time again that we can't put goals on Logan Ketterer. Ketterer can get flustered if you put enough pressure on him. And so... That's what I think is gonna what we need to see Saturday night from the guys. I think we're gonna come in, we're gonna be fit, we're gonna be healthy. I get another week off, which is something we haven't had a lot of this season, and we know that when this club is rested, they come out with a lot more energy, and they're able to get around the pitch a lot quicker. And we've seen the buildup, we've seen the the passing game, we've seen that. We know that we can control possession, and I think all of that's gonna serve to disrupt what El Paso wants to do. And so I'm putting this in the books as a three-one win for United.
1: Earl, what was your score? Oh yeah, ten nothing. <laughs> um so El Paso before the Tulsa match had not allowed a goal in four matches. Um granted they scored they also did not score in two of those matches. Um, but they they still had several clean sheets in a row. We're coming off three clean sheets. Um, our defense looks phenomenal phenomenal let me tell you it's phenomenal um and i think that continues i i, I think we can hold them to to one or nothing um the key to me is just going to be able to get if we can get anything past them uh on on our for our with our offense and i i think that you know i would have loved to have seen a multiple goal outing against san antonio um to see our offense kind of come alive a little bit um but that didn't happen i do think we had several chances that that um should have been finished and and could be finished at some point but um you know we've we haven't scored over two goals except for one time all season we've talked about that ad nauseum over here Uh, we haven't put up multiple goals in a match since september 12th against the monarchs Um, and we've been shut out one time in that stretch so i think we get at least one on the board i think it's 1-1 after 90 minutes we go to extra time again uh, i do think we find two goals in extra time uh, one similar to when Beezes was scored right around the hundredth, minute, hundredth minute, um, and then we are attacking one on late because El Paso is pushing to try to get uh, an equalizer, and we are able to capitalize with, I imagine Romeo scores that one. He comes in late to replace Dev, um, and then he uses his speed to get kind of break away and and score a, a third goal later in the. Added, added extra time, so I will also go three one, um, and hope that that we can get some get some goals past them. And I, I'm not worried about the defense. I think we, it, I don't think they score multiple goals on us. I'll put it that way. With with Salgado not being out there, you know they they did put up multiple goals against um oh, Real Monarchs since he's been out but real monarchs is barely a high school team right now so they don't really count which kind of hurts to say because i I did hear i don't know if you guys caught this but the announcers said that we hadn't beaten anybody except for real monarchs since like august sometime in august and that that stat kind of blew me away and made me a little concerned but I think our our defense will be fine, like I said. We'll we'll get that shut out or just allow one. So as long as we can get two past them, then we're good. And two has been our we've won so many games two to one that um I feel like that would almost be appropriate for this match to be, but I'm gonna give us one extra just in case.
2: So my so my honest take, not the ten nil ten nil win. I'm calling it one nil. We win one nil. Um and I'm calling it that low of a score. And it's going stu- to be pretty much the same thing as San Antonio, 100-something minute, possibly into the second half of extra time um, where a goal sneaks right in. Um, I'm calling it that late just because we've played them four times before this um, and just how even the line is this season with them, um, even though I know we're the better team than Ketterer and Chapo, whatever the crap his name is. Um, even though I know we're the better team than them, uh, we're just that, that close to them. So I'm calling it one nil in like the hundred and hundred eighteenth 118th minute. It's going to be a super late goal.
1: You know, I don't mind that because you're correct, man. When you, when you play a team that many times, you know, in, in their place that many times, um, it's really hard to get results out of there. So I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if this goes to penalties, um, and if it does, uh, I trust our guys to to get the W there. Because I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've ever lost in penalties. In fact, I know we haven't because because it was just the Open Cup, and when we did finally lose in the Open Cup, it was because we got our butts handed to us. Um,
2: we've also never lost a home playoff game.
1: That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> At what point do we consider El Paso home field? I think this weekend. <laughs> man i tried so hard to get tickets to um even though i knew that the chances of me going were probably slim i went ahead and got on the waiting list and they still sold out before they got to me but so what i
2: would love to see i would love 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 and i would probably buy him a beer or lunch or something is if we saw like josh Suggs or even cody pull a baker mayfield out there and freaking smell paso and when we beat them you go to center field, and yeah. you start waving that freaking flag and just plant it i would love to see that granted he might come back with a black eye
1: <laughs> no do
0: we want to try to predict how many yellow cards we're gonna see in this match because historically, 17. this has been a very 17 yellow cards okay total <laughs> this nah, has been a man. very chippy series between the two clubs
1: I'm so excited for this match. I'm not going to lie. Like the chippiness that are in the regular season matches when we play them. um, I love it anyways. And now we're going to get that uh, in a do or die scenario. Uh, Tensions are going to be running high. We already don't like them. I kind of wish Salgado was playing just because we've talked about his punchable face before. I think he might get punched in the face if he was playing in this match. I don't know by who.
2: God that Yuma gets punched in the mouth.
1: I I wouldn't mind that either. Um, I would
2: love to see Keter get kicked in the face too. Yeah,
1: Ketterer was the one that I was going towards there. Um, but yeah, I I just think that it like a seventeen might be too low. Like I could see like I could see this game finishing like nine on nine, um, because of yellow card accumulation and two players get kicked out per team, um, and then everybody else has one. I could see so many yellow cards in this match. I, I could definitely see a red card. I hope it doesn't come to that because I want to beat them fair and square. But um, it's going to be an intense, intense match that I'm probably going to be a nervous wreck for. I was a nervous wreck for the San Antonio match. So um, unless we just come out and put up two or three early on them, um, I will probably throw up at least once during this match. Um and then when it's over i will probably have an adrenaline headache um that'll last a day or so because it, it's going to be intense
2: so you you mentioned a red card who who gets that one first
1: i think there'll be four red cards <laughs> i think it'll be okay, yuma
2: Who, picked up, who picked up first yuma, yuma?
1: yuma yeah, gets so. yuma yuma and Tanari get kicked out at the same time um for one of them will be a straight red because somebody will get punched in the face, and the other one will be a second yellow for a stupid foul right before that. So it'll be Tanari gets a second yellow for a stupid foul. Yuma punches Tanari in the face. Tanari punches Yuma in the face. They both get red cards, they both get sent out. And then I think Ketter will get a red card, he'll do something stupid. And then, um, Probably Sugsy. Suggsie has a temper, man. If you, he. In fact, all four of those could happen at the same exact time. Tenari could foul Yuma, hard. Yuma could get mad, punch him, and then just all hell breaks loose, and it, everybody gets a red card.
2: Well, I do know. I don't know if you follow Ketterer on Facebook or anything. Even El Paso on Facebook. I saw um, the video. His stupid video of "We'll see you boys later." That kind of pissed me off a little bit more than I wanted to be pissed off today. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I hear you. Now, I think, I mean, it's going to be a fantastic match. I, there are few teams on this earth that I would hate to lose to more than El Paso in the playoffs. So, um, honestly, if we, if we don't win this match, um, I'm not going to record next week because I'm still going to be annoyed by it. And uh, we'll have to talk about it the week <laughs> after that. Or I'll record and I'll just be like, Ugh. uh, hmm. uh, Just sit there yeah. quietly. Mm. I'll just be caveman over here grunting my displeasure. Can we all um, quietly if we lose. I think we'll have a moment of silence to begin the season or to begin the episode for sure.
2: Or an hour and fifty minutes of silence. <laughs>
1: uh I feel like that was more a shot at how long the podcast goes than anything else. So it is <laughs> Earl it is Earl's bedtime. Uh so once again, guys, uh final thoughts from you, Seth.
0: Final thoughts from me. All right, guys. Um, USL needs VAR. United moves ahead, We're going to El Paso. We're going to stake our claim down there, and of course, go vote in November.
2: Uh, so, final thoughts for me is, I'm already becoming a nervous wreck for the stupid game, and it's only Tuesday. Go vote. Go vote early if you have to. Um, and obviously, this will be a shameless plug for my incredible brother out in Mountaineer. Uh, let me see if I can make this work. As you guys saw, I was drinking out of this cool cup this week. It is a Mountaineer glass. Feel free to go find them on, on Mountaineer's Facebook page. They're like 10 bucks or something like that.
1: I, come Saturday, my wife will hate me uh, for that day because um, I noticed it's this Saturday I was grumpy uh, on edge the whole day, even leading up to the match, just because I was... Anxious for it, and uh, it's probably going to be tenfold this time. So we'll get through it. We'll hopefully win. We'll come out the other side stronger. I just hope everybody has a good week, leads up to it, everybody's safe when it comes to it, um, and we can do whatever we can to get these numbers down so that the governor doesn't freak out and shut everything down again. And until then, let's hope that United can, can pull out this victory. The game, again, is at seven thirty local time here in the mountain area um be sure to tune into that watch that match cheer on new mexico united stay safe the rest of this week everybody and um win or lose we will be back next week uh more, more than likely on tuesday to hopefully preview a match with either phoenix or reno and if not, we'll recap the season, a uh, uh, fantastic and magical season as it was. So catch us again next week, guys. Hit us up on social media. You know, The Drill, Facebook, Somosinos News, Twitter, Somosinos News, Twitter, Suncast. Um, email Seth or me at Seth at Media or Jacob at DadVenturesMedia.com. Dad Seth, we still need to get Earl one of those so that I can plug that. You know what, guys, go ahead and text, email Earl at earl at Dad of Uh I don't know if it'll go through or into anything or not, but go ahead. Um, you can send all your love letters to him uh, there because as uh, as one of our chatters a couple weeks ago mentioned, he's got the face or the nose of a great God um, and a beautiful beard. It's always a pleasure uh, spending my Tuesday late nights with you guys and, and chatting about soccer and Random stuff like soup and hot dogs and. Uh...
2: Speaking of which. Speaking
1: oh no. Of which... Oh, we <laughs> got we got some, we got some poll results. Is that I did do some poll here?
2: results uh, after an hour right. and fifty five minutes of polling. This um, it is unanimously decided that hot dogs are sandwiches. Only. <sighs> are you... Only. If the bottom edge tears. Because <laughs> then it becomes like was, a bologna sandwich.
1: What was this pull? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, well, I do a
2: lot of crazy things. And this is just one of them.
1: Catch us on our special edition episode later this month sometime of New Mexico Eatery and Food Shower Thoughts. Um, and <laughs> And then, like I said, hit us up on social media, rate and review the podcast, all that jazz. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast player uh, of your choice happens to be. And uh, until next week, guys, Somos Unidos.
0: You've been listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lutos, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for admitting you here in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using CleanFeed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.